You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now here's your host, Invest Noir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of Cigars and Crypto. You know who it is. It's your boy Noir. Let me tell you, I met this gentleman while traipsing around Clubhouse, trolling different rooms. I came across a very interesting character. His name is Douglas. And I jumped into a room with him when he was talking about Monero. So today is a day that we're going to get to learn about Monero. Douglas, how are you? Good, man. Good. How you doing? I'm well. I can't complain. It's a beautiful day. I have not had an opportunity to smoke a cigar yet. So if I seem a little stuffy and stodgy, that's because I haven't had my cigar yet. But light it, light it up during the show, man. Oh, no, man. Look, I'm sitting on my you need to light up your cigar. And uh, I, I enjoy my life. If I light up a cigar in the house, my wife will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good, man. After the show, I want to spend a little time with my kids. And then around 930, I'll head out and I'll have a cigar. So let yep. me jump right in, my friend. Tell me about yourself, Douglas. How did you get into crypto? Well, I so the, the story goes, I, I actually, uh, Dogecoin was my first coin I bought. Dogecoin in on Christmas, December 2013, Christmas Eve. And uh, I had heard about Bitcoin before that. Um, I had kind of watched the number go up, but never took the time to Google and do a deep dive on what it was. I just thought it was another um, attempt at creating digital money. I had saw attempts in the past, like eGold or whatever the other ones were called at the time. And they were all centralized and they eventually collapsed or whatever and got shut down and i thought bitcoin was the same thing and uh for whatever reason it was caught fire and i figured all right i missed i missed the bitcoin thing but now there's all these copycats and i had read an article about doge it just came out i was like you know what let me throw 50 bucks on it and i'll turn it into uh 500 bucks and so i bought 50 dollars of dogecoin on christmas eve woke up the next morning and i had saved it on a web wallet which Anybody who's listening that's into crypto knows that's like kind of the number one rule thing not to do, you know, not your keys, not your coins. And I woke up and all my Doge was stolen. All my Doge was gone. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know how much it was at the time in, in Doge number. And I was like, you know what? I was like, there's no way that's what this crypto thing is about. I'm like, there's no way this technology is built in such a way that it can just get stolen like that from you because that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So then that, that it ended up being the best $50 I ever lost. Cause that, that sent me down the rabbit hole, started learning about Bitcoin, understanding the private key, public key concept, the cryptography behind it, you know, read the Satoshi white paper, watched all the Andreas Antonopoulos videos. And, you know, I was hooked. I was, you know, hook, line and sinker. I was into crypto. I knew Bitcoin or thought at that time that Bitcoin was going to be the one. And um, as I got into it more, my next revelation was that, you know, Bitcoin is lacking something. And uh, in my mind, uh, that something is crucial to what this stuff's all about. And that's the ability to essentially 
transact privately. Um, when I was using Bitcoin and, you know, I didn't use it a lot. I don't think a lot of people really do use it a lot, but even just using it among friends and sending it to people and making some transactions to test it out. I realized every time I sent somebody some Bitcoin, they were able to just look me up on the, on the blockchain and see how many Bitcoin I had. And that just felt strange. That didn't, to me, that didn't feel like what cryptocurrency was supposed to be about from when I had read the Satoshi white paper. So that sent me to uh, Monero. That's how I, I got into Monero. And I've been a Monero maximalist ever since. I, I hate using that term. I like to believe I'm an <laughs> open-minded guy. But, uh, you know, truth be told, you know, I, I am, I am uh, a Monero guy. I, I currently think that's the best form of digital cash that we have. Can I quote you on that, brother? Oh, 100%. Please do. Let <laughs> that's cool, man. You know, I think everyone has their own unique way that they get red-pilled into cryptocurrency. Um, I found it interesting that the first coin you purchased was Doge, uh, especially, you know, with everything that's going on with Dogecoin right now and Wall Street bets. It's it's uh, kind of ironic. You know what I mean? I know, um, man. I don't even want to know because after I lost that that fifty dollars worth, I, I stayed in Doge a little bit for the purpose of once I knew what crypto was, I was like, you know what? Now I need to get Bitcoin. So I got into, you know, uh I got into trading a little bit. I figured, let me try to let me try to grow my my Bitcoin. So I was using Doge. I don't even know how many Doge I had at one point, and I feel I don't even want to look it up because I feel like you know uh, maybe if I just you know held my Doge up into this point, there'd be no greater greater growth in wealth than just doing that. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, I, I do think Doge, Doge is interesting. It is a meme, right? It is a meme coin. But, you know, money is a meme, right? That, that's what money is. I Agreed. Mean, money Agreed. is just this shared belief, this collective belief in an idea, everybody agreeing that something has value. Um, so I think Doge is an interesting lesson in that. But I think it's, you know, there's a reason why people agree that something has value. It's not completely random, right? So... Uh, there's a reason why gold obtained value, right? There's a reason why it's not sand or seashells. Granted, those things were valuable at one, at one point, but ultimately gold is the thing that, that's, that, that really took hold. And it's because gold has certain features. So it's not just so that everybody randomly decided, hey, let's make gold valuable. It was, you know, this thing's durable. It's scarce, uh, you know, one unit always equals another unit. It's perfectly fungible, unlike a diamond, right? Where every diamond is different than every other diamond. So when you really start to look at it, there's really certain characteristics that make gold gold. And then so you, I apply that same um, analysis to crypto in trying to figure out which one is truly money. And when I look at Bitcoin, and obviously, the meme has become that Bitcoin is digital gold. When I look at it closely, or not even closely, it's kind of glaring to me, I see that it's lacking one fundamental thing, and that is fungibility. And we can get into that, but that's kind of my biggest gripe with Bitcoin is that it lacks that element. One Bitcoin does not equal one Bitcoin, but one Monero always equals one Monero. 
See, now that, my friend, is exactly why you're here. Let's have that discussion about fungibility, because at the end of the day, whether it's Monero or Bitcoin, one coin equals one coin, whether the value changes based on a, a national currency or not. So why do you think that one Bitcoin is not one Bitcoin? Well, because it's built on a transparent ledger, right? So effectively, one Bitcoin doesn't equal one Bitcoin because you could very easily taint a Bitcoin. Uh, every transaction that's made through Bitcoin is made on this transparent ledger that we all share, that we could all view, and it's saved on there forever. And anybody can look at that ledger and they could essentially make notations next to the ledger, right? Uh, so one Bitcoin doesn't equal one Bitcoin because Bitcoins can be tainted. And it's not theoretical. We're seeing this be done. I mean, there's chain analysis companies that are funded with millions of dollars, primarily from the backing of, you know, from people that are in the banking industry. Um, and, you know, there's governments are now hiring these companies to do the same. We've seen the United States government actually blacklists certain wallets. So th this isn't theoretical. We've seen that Bitcoins can be tainted and they actively are. And because of that, one Bitcoin doesn't equal one Bitcoin. If I was going to tell you, hey, man, you know, I, I got two options for you. I have, you know, these Bitcoins I can send you that, you know, I just got from, uh, you know, this terrorist group, they, they, they sent it to me. They didn't know what to do with it. I could give you those or I could give you these other Bitcoins that I just mined with my, my ASIC miner. Which one would you like to have? What are you going to say? You're going to say, yeah, you know, yes. give me those virgin ASIC mine coins. Right. So that, that's a big problem. Um, and I think it's a big problem because, like I said, I think that's essential to uh, the nature of, of hard money, right? It needs to be fungible. And I think if you really think about it, uh, when something is truly fungible, which is what we want cryptocurrency to be, it's more fluid. It's going to create, it's more efficient. It's going to be a more efficient way to transact. It gets rid of a lot of friction. I mean, you can see that friction in the fact that these chain analytics companies exist that's showing you the friction. You can see the friction in the fact that you can essentially wash Bitcoin, but you have to send it maybe one or two or maybe even three times. And if they use coin joints, that's friction. That's extra, that's extra friction in the system. This, the currency, the crypto that's going to win is the one that's going to be the most frictionless way to send money peer to peer without censorship. Okay. So, my understanding of fungibility is the ability to trade a good or service or currency for something of like value. So I don't see how a blacklisted wallet address. But that's not that's not the definition of fungibility, though. The definition of fungibility is that every unit equals every unit. You know, when I when you take a dollar out of a US dollar out of your pocket, and I take one out of my pocket. Mine can be crumpled up. It could be 25 years old. Yours could be brand spanking new. Our dollars are both equal $1, right? 
Mine could have came from, you know, whatever, some, some crime that I committed 10 minutes ago and yours could have came from, you know, some uh, volunteer work that you did, but that your dollar still equals my dollar, right? That's what, that's the definition of fungibility is that every unit equals every other unit. One atom of gold equals one atom of gold. If I give you a bar of gold, it doesn't come with a serial number on it. And if it did, you could always melt it down, right? One Bitcoin comes with a history that's, a t that's attached to it and it can be tainted. So one Bitcoin doesn't equal one Bitcoin. And that, that's the definition of fungibility. I think a lot of people even struggle with this concept of what fungibility is, but it's, it's, I think it's pretty essential. See, I'm, I'm struggling with this because I understand the definition of fungibility to be fungibility to be the interchangeable nature of a product, good or service, right? Like you said, like for like one for one, a tainted wallet address, a tainted Bitcoin is still interchangeable. You just can't off ramp or on ramp. That doesn't change its fungibility. If I am willing, if I am willing to accept different value to it, it does it the value of the Bitcoin doesn't change because one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. If you have a dirty Bitcoin that you got from uh, someone who did something nefarious to get it, right? And you come to me and you say, Hey, uh, I want to buy some parts for my car, or I want to buy a vehicle from you. And in my mind, I have no desire to trade in that Bitcoin or off-ramp that Bitcoin. It doesn't matter if the Bitcoin is dirty or not because it's fungible. I'll accept it like value for the vehicle that you're willing to buy. The issue only comes when you're trying to off-ramp, when you're trying to use the payment rails that the government, our wonderful government, blocks through KYC and AML regulations and restrictions. No, so, I, I mean, I disagree with you. I don't, I think the issue exists even if you're not off ramping because you know, you come up, I'm selling some product right, and you show up at my door right, with the Bitcoin mm -hmm. and I do chain analysis to see that that Bitcoin was just used by some terrorist group. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to accept that Bitcoin or I'm going to be reluctant to accept it. But that doesn't change its fungibility. That doesn't change its fungibility. It changes fungibility. Because if you showed up with another Bitcoin that was a virgin Bitcoin, I would accept it. So the virgin Bitcoin is more acceptable than the other one. Now let's change the scenario. You show up with Monero. Okay. You send you send you and you're gonna send me Monero. There's there's no way I can now go look and trace back to see if anything is attached to that Monero, I have no idea what the history of that Monero is just like a dollar. You know, I have right. no idea where it came from, but you have a different problem because exchanges are no longer, no longer want to carry Monero. So now you have an ability to offer it because that's now exchanges are problem. cutting. I, that's a, that's a, well, I see that as, a problem that's indicative of the fact that Monero is doing what crypto is supposed to do. Right. There's a reason why Coinbase has never 
decided to add Monero. Monero has been around for a while. This isn't some new project, you know, it came Correct. out 2004. It's one of the older crypto projects. Correct. There's a lot to be said for it. It's completely different. It's not a fork of Bitcoin. It's its own protocol. Uh, Coinbase never added Monero. Uh, and so when I see these exchanges that have been delisting Monero, when I see that the federal government uh, is basically putting out an, uh, an a reward for anybody that can crack Monero, you know, the Treasury Department's doing that. Homeland Security essentially hired a consultant that was trying to uh, trace Monero. Cypher Trace is the name of the company, and they, they haven't been able to do it effectively. Uh, the, you know, nobody's been able to claim that reward that, you know, the government put out for, for tracing Monero. When I see that, that shows me that Monero is doing what crypto is supposed to be doing. Let's now, is that ahead. temporarily creating a liquidity problem where it's hard to get Monero? Sure, it is. And it's, it's really what it's doing. It's forcing you to use crypto the way you're supposed to use crypto, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, not through centralized exchanges. I think that's going to change over time because I think regulators are going to realize you know, that we can allow people to buy Monero and that we'd rather have them come through our exchanges in KYC AML. So at least we know who these people are. It's like going to a bank. You know, when I take out, go to a bank, if I take out $10,000 worth of cash, the bank lets me do it, right? They know I'm taking out that $10,000 worth of cash. They just don't know what I do with the cash afterwards. And I think most people, at least most Americans mm -hmm. expect that. That's, that's what they expect. They expect to have that freedom and liberty. And they think that's something that's allowed in this country. So I think ultimately you're going to see that Monero will be allowed. And I do agree with you. It's temporarily a problem in terms of liquidity, but I think it's really indicating the fact that Monero works as intended as crypto was meant to work. So let's, let's work with that assumption okay let's work from that place <clears throat> if you believe that fun that bitcoin is not fungible because bitcoin exists on a public ledger and individual bitcoins and parts of bitcoins can be tagged as tainted or or tagged with some moniker that means that people won't take them how is that different from a monero that you can't sell how, how, how is that different? Because you can't, you, can't, you can't tag any particular Monero. You're right, talking but you can't about, sell it. But these aren't analogous situations, right? So you're just saying, you're saying that it's not easy for me potentially to uh, exchange Monero, which I disagree with. There, there are plenty of ways to do it, right? There right. aren't as many on-ramps and off-ramps as Bitcoin. Um, but that's but you, not... That's not the, the issue here. The issue is, yes, the, the whole system, you know, Monero as a whole may be getting challenged. I'm more concerned with Bitcoin where it's getting accepted by governments and regulators because of the very fact that they know that they can track and trace it and taint it as needed. That's why it's being embraced. But that for me, that what you just said for me is different from fungibility. That argument I understand. 
How is but it, to say it's not I mean, I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I mean, you're, you're agreeing to the fact that, you know, Monero, I think you are, right? You're agreeing to the fact that Bitcoin can be tracked and traced and tainted, right? Oh, most definitely. Right. So and, that, and that I'm also agreeing. Non-fungible Bitcoins. No, it doesn't mean it's not fungible. It just means that it can be tracked and tainted. Because at the same hand, even though you can't track a Monero transaction, Monero is tainted because the government is coming after it. No, and the exchanges no, are not carrying. Is an actual con- tainting is the concept of marking a coin. You can't mark a Monero. You can't taint a Monero. Right, but if, what you're saying it, is something different. Yes, you could you could say that we don't accept Monero in general, but you mm-hmm. can't physically taint any individual Monero. You can't do it. It's it's resistant to being tainted. I, I get that part. And, and, yeah. and I think the difference is, is that even if a Bitcoin is tainted, if I am a Bitcoiner and I want to accept Bitcoin, it doesn't matter if it's tainted or not. I'm going to accept it. The only time that it becomes an issue is when I go to off ramp. So that doesn't mean for me. In Why my mind, is that an issue? So you would accept you would accept uh, Bitcoin that is known to come from a blacklisted wallet. Yeah, why not? Because what makes because the federal government's going to see that that transaction was sent, right? They're going they're going to see, right? But you're if I find out who it was sent to, but if I am using proper security for my Bitcoin and I'm using new addresses every single time, the chances of them identifying me through chain analytics is very low. Chain analytics works because people use the same address all the time. Chain and they analytics. Don't Chain analytics works because people use the same address all the time and because a lot of people don't use VPNs. Now, Monero doesn't have that problem because the addresses are obfuscated and the transactions are obfuscated. But Monero has a different problem because whether it's Bitcoin or Monero, it's the on-ramp and the off-ramp that are the problem. For the Bitcoin, on the Bitcoin side, if we go to off-ramp with a tainted coin, the exchange or well, the liquidity provider is going to say, no, there's a there's a block on that. We can't accept anything because it came from this wallet three transactions ago on the for conversely. Monero? No, for Bitcoin. Yeah, for Bitcoin. For, for Monero, the, the problem now becomes, well, where am I going to go to cash out Monero? Hey, are you looking to invest in Bitcoin? CoinFlip is the easiest way to buy. CoinFlip ATMs let you trade cash directly for crypto, and you can get started with as little as $5. You heard that right, $5. Use discount code NOIR29, N-O-I-R-2-9, for 10% off any transaction at a CoinFlip ATM. Find a CoinFlip ATM location near you at coinflip.tech. That's C-O-I-N-F-L-I-P dot T-E-C-H, coinflip.tech. Don't forget, use that discount code. I think you're always going to see that somebody is going to offer an opportunity for that, right? Because that, that's, that's it's just going to happen. It's the same arguments that were made in the early days of Bitcoin when people actually thought Bitcoin was uh, more disruptive than it actually is. And they were concerned that you know governments were going to regulate it and stop it. And the mm-hmm. argument always was, well, you can't stop Bitcoin. 
and somebody you're if if not if it won't work here it's going to work in another country somebody somewhere is going to accept it and embrace it and then through game theory there'll be competition and everybody will feel like they have to onboard mm -hmm. uh, but you know you're your argument, what was the, the basic argument you were saying? I mean, it's just, I mean, I think we, we just disagree on what the definition of, of fungibility is. And, right. And know, I think that's big, the difference. Bitcoins can be tainted. Right. The narrow can't. Now, right. I, I see a problem with that. Oh, you're saying chain analytics companies aren't that. Chain analytics companies are pretty, pretty damn good and they're only going to get better. And the, and the big issue to realize is that fundamentally, Bitcoin is built on a transparent protocol. Fundamentally, you know, Monero made a different desi design decision. Mm -hmm. It's not built on a transparent protocol. It's not a transparent ledger. So you can do everything you want to try to make Bitcoin seem fungible. But if you want, if you have enough, you know, heuristics and you're collecting enough data and you're looking at, at the blockchain long enough, you will be able to put those pieces together because at its core, it's transparent. Right. And conversely, at some point, the government will say, well, because we have such a hard time with tracking these transactions, with determining who's using Monero and the number of transactions that occur, we're just going to stop all the off ramps and on ramps for Monero. Yeah. If, and if you believe that, well, number one, if you believe that's what crypto was all about, that's what the cypherpunks, that's what they were trying to create. Right. So to, to just put your hands up and say, okay, <clears throat> well, you know, this one uh, governments don't may not like. So let, let's let's use the one that they're going to like. Uh, you know, I think that's not really following the dream of what crypto is meant to be. And number two, even more so, more importantly, I don't think Monero can be stopped. And I think that's what, you know, the, the original vision of the cypherpunk, I think they got it right. You know, they figured this out and uh, Monero does it right. And, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be, a, there'll be some dark days ahead where it's going to be uh, difficult to obtain. I think that's not going to last long because you're always going to see, uh, you know, new places that pop up that are going to accept it. I ran for Congress. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know that. I don't know if we talked about that in the in the room. Um, no, we didn't. I ran for Congress. Uh, a few, you know, this past season, and uh, you know, it was part of my platform. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't out there talking about it too much because mostly I was talking to non crypto people. Uh, I'm in New York. I live on Long Island. I don't know if you know who that is. And I ran for Congress over here in the fourth congressional district, and. I ran as a Republican. I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian at heart, uh, as I'm sure you could, could hear from the things I'm saying. And, <laughs> um, and that's why I'm a big believer in Monero. And ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is I think, you know, if Monero is not legal or is regulated to the point where it's not usable in this country, there's something wrong. And that's not what America is about. And that's mm -hmm. why I ran, because I kind of see the writing on the wall and the direction we're headed. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, I mean, when you look at the Constitution and you look at the rulings that have been made in the Supreme Court, you can't possibly tell me that you're able to regulate Monero, a protocol uh, out of existence. It's basically a communication protocol. So we have much bigger problems if uh, this country is going to 
basically say that Monero is illegal. Basically, America doesn't exist as an idea anymore if they're going to say Monero is illegal. So let me ask you this. Is, let's see if, if, if we can agree upon this, right? Whether you can trace the transaction or not, whether the transaction, uh, whether their off-ramps exists or not, if a group of people see that a coin has value, people will exchange it for goods and services. Is that something we can agree, agree upon? I'm not totally, you're saying, what, what's the basically the argument you're trying to make? You're saying people are going to continue to use Bitcoin even though it is. And, and Monero, whether, whether it's tainted or not, in, in, the, in the case of Bitcoin, whether the on-ramps and off-ramps are cut off or not, in the case of Monero, if a group of people see value in the coin, they will, they will continue to exchange it for goods and services. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, of course. See, that's common ground, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of common ground, you know? I mean, uh, yeah. we're obviously both into crypto. And, yes. you know, I don't think... I don't, Bitcoin's not going anywhere, right? Um, but I, I really do see it as the bridge to the more pure crypto, which is Monero. And I, I just... I just would like to see more people stand up for it on kind of a philosophical level. Cause I don't know, that's what excites me most um, about crypto mm. is, is a project like Monero that's really trying to, you know, maintain those ideals. What do you think about that? I mean, do you I, honestly what do you see as really being the value proposition of, of cryptocurrency? I, I look at it from a perspective of exclusion from the banking, legacy banking and uh, financial services industry. I look at it as the answer to uh, redlining and the answer to exclusion from mortgages and business loans. It is the antithesis of the traditional system that has kept out so many people. And it, it offers an opportunity for those who are willing to just do a little research about it to free themselves. Like you, I am a libertarian, Joe Jorgensen, 2024. I hope she runs again. Um, and I firmly believe that cryptocurrency, and in my case, Bitcoin, offers a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for people to stand themselves up and free themselves of the financial shackles of big banks who have gone out of their way to fuck everybody over. That, that's what I see cryptocurrency doing. That's how I view cryptocurrency and I view it through that lens. Okay. So, I mean, you know, common ground once again. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> why not, why not, you know, obviously not trying to uh, shift your, your viewpoint or push you into Monero. No, man, look, look, these are, we, we uh, don't, I don't mind being red. Uh, go for it. 
why not be concerned then about the transparent nature? I mean, because like you said, like it's possible you cases, right? Is like people not being redlined, thing like that. So if things are perfectly traceable, I mean, the, the, you know, the whole credit system and things like that, that could be potentially much worse mm-hmm. in, a, in a purely Bitcoin world where you know every single person's transactions, you know how much money they have and you know the exact moment it's moving and you know who it's going to. That's, I'm, I'm afraid that Bitcoin can move us in that direction and in a way where people think they're opting, essentially opting out of a dystopia when really they're opting into it. I, I have heard that point of view and I can see how that would be possible. Um, I firmly believe, and I, I was talking to someone about this just the other day, that Bitcoin has never tried to be anything other than currency, right? It started out as currency. I have high hopes for things like lightning and its ability to obfuscate transactions as well as create uh, faster settlement as a layer two solution. Now, some folks want, you know, uh, Dandelion and Mimblewimble and all this other kind of stuff enacted and evoked uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain. But um, I think the slow pace that the Bitcoin community is taking works well for me, because one thing you have not seen is Bitcoin break. And that gives me solace. As far as Monero goes, I am not, I, even though I am for the most part a Bitcoin maximalist, I am also open to the fact that there are coins and projects and tokens that do things that Bitcoin does not do. And if people see value in them, I am no one to tell them that they should not use it, period because I see value in Bitcoin and I wouldn't want someone to tell me not to use it. So while I agree that transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain are not private, I understand the need and the use case behind Monero. And if I ever needed to use a more private form of currency, Monero would probably be my choice. All right. Common ground again. I mean, um, you know, that that's a thing, you know, that I think that's really important too, is the fact that Monero is usually I don't I don't like calling these things privacy coins, by the way, because I, I I truly believe that's just should be part of a crypto that's working. Um to to point out the fact that it's private is that would be like calling cash privacy cash. If cash is working, it's private. That'd be like calling gold, privacy gold. If gold's working, it's private. So, you know, I I like calling Bitcoin a surveillance coin and Monero a cryptocurrency, uh, which, you know, and it's it's, it's all marketing and and the memes that are out there. But to to label these things as privacy coins, as, as I know you're labeling it in a positive way, and, you know, it's nothing against you. Everybody does it. Um, but I just don't understand why we don't think privacy needs to be 
an essential part of it. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, people want to use Bitcoin, they can use Bitcoin. They want to use Monero, they can use Bit Monero. I do think there's something to be said for the fact that Monero is usable today as digital cash, not theoretically in the future, not once they do X, Y, and Z, which they may or may not do. You know, there's been, been this talk of adding, there used to be at least talk, there not even is anymore, of adding confidential transactions to Bitcoin. Never happened, you know, that was invented over nine years ago, or I could be getting the dates wrong, but many, many years ago. Uh, and it was never added and it likely never will be added to Bitcoin's protocol. And, you know, there's other things that are talked about that will be added to Bitcoin to make it more private. But I think Bitcoin has proven that its community overall is okay with the fact that it will never truly be fungible on a protocol level. Uh, whereas Monero has made the design decision that it wants to be digital cash today and then maintain that and do whatever it takes to maintain that, even if it means evolving and changing. And I see those as really being the two differences philosophically between the, you know, the coins and their design decisions. I understand the philosophical differences, but let me ask just one question. If I wanted to spend Monero today, where could I go to spend it? If it's and cash. They're willing to accept it. You know, so the same arguments were always made with Bitcoin. They're like, well, how do I turn it into dollars? How do I spend it? There's people accepting Monero. I mean, right. if you want to go to the dark markets, that's, you know, Monero is more prevalent there than Bitcoin. And that's, you know, Agreed. a whole other level of the of or a whole nother uh, bucket of proof that Monero functions better as digital cash than Bitcoin. Now, people uh, may not agree what's going on in the black markets, and you could agree or disagree, but I think that shows that it does its job, and that's why people use Monero on the black markets. They're still using Bitcoin because I, they, don't, they just don't know. But you're seeing, you know, black markets that are deciding that they're only accepting Monero. Uh, so there, there's things you can, you know, certainly use Monero for. I mean, anybody that's willing to accept Monero, you can send them Monero. So, so, you know, same concept as Bitcoin. True. But the difference is, is I can go buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. I can buy a house with Bitcoin. Well, yeah. But, but you know, if we, if we had this same debate, you know, five years ago, or even a few days ago, you wouldn't be able to go buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. So, I mean, that's, these are just the same arguments that were made against Bitcoin in the early days. You know, okay. Okay. when you held Bitcoin and it was, you know, worth even up to a hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, there really was not much you can do with it. Nobody was accepting it. Okay. So let me ask you one last question then. Where do you see the future of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology in the next three to five years? Mm, three to five years isn't very long. Um, you know, I think we're, we're seeing, obviously, we're seeing Bitcoin explode. Uh, this, this, yeah, three to five years isn't a long time. But yeah, this stuff is, it's accelerating. I mean, it's insane, you know. Uh, 
I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm even finding it. It's just difficult to keep up with everything that's happening, right? It's just happening all so fast. You know, I think Monero, uh, Bitcoin is obviously going to continue to grow in the next three to five years in a very big way. Um, you know, there's going to be these major events, you know, you'll have governments basically accepting Bitcoin with open arms, you know, you're, you're, you saw, yeah, Tesla bought it the other day. You'll see, you'll see governments, you know, maybe starting to buy it. Um, but then I think you're going to see, there's going to be these moments, these eye opening moments where people are going to realize it's critical flaw that it's not private, that it's not fungible. They're going to be very real. They're already happening. You know, we had, you had the attack on the Capitol. And I don't know if you saw, there was that guy in Paris that donated $500,000 worth of Bitcoin to some of the guys leading that attack. And all of it was tracked and traced. Um, you could see it, you can Google it. For me, that was, you know, I'm obviously watching this stuff. So it wasn't an eye opener for me, but I think it was an eye opener for some of, the people that were in those political circles and they thought, wait a minute, um, you know, Bitcoin isn't, uh, isn't the Liberty cash that I thought it was, you know, maybe it can be censored. So I think you're going to see more of those moments where people's eyes are going to open up to that fact, you know, maybe governments sanctioning more, you know, blacklisting more wallets, um, Governments figuring out a way to basically seamlessly tax every single Bitcoin transaction and to know how much Bitcoin people have. So they can, you know, implement capital gains tax on people that are holding Bitcoin and implement it before they even sell their Bitcoin because they're going to need to, you know, governments are going to need to be, you know, raising more money, especially with everything that's going on with, with COVID and kind of the trajectory of where the world's going economically. So I think Bitcoin's going to continue to, to grow and become accepted and embraced by governments and kind of the status quo, the people that it was meant to disrupt. Uh, and then you're going to see these earth shattering moments where people realize, wait a minute, there's this other tech that's even more liberating. And you're going to see that as these things happen. Just like we saw people move over from WhatsApp to Signal, just like we saw people realize, you know, that Facebook has everybody's information and has, you know, um, amazing amount of power. And we saw the deplatforming of our president from or the past president from Facebook and Twitter. You're going to start to see these kind of Bitcoin moments where its flaw is revealed. Douglas. Tell folks where they can find you online. I guess best place is Twitter. So at Douglas Tuman. Uh, and then obviously, you know, I'm the, I'm the host of Monero Talk. So at Monero Talk, we do a weekly YouTube show. And uh, we just started another show. So that's on YouTube. If you go, go to Monero Talk or you Google it. And uh, yeah, we just started another show called Monerotopia on the same channel of Monero talk. And actually, I'd love to have you come on that if you'd be willing to. That's a, it's a good laid back, similar to, to what you do here, laid back show. Would love to uh, have you come on if you're willing to do that. Of course I am, man. I, I, I look for the opportunity to learn everywhere. So I'd be honored, man. Just reach out to me when we're done recording. Maybe we get some video on that one so we can see you smoking a cigar. I guess you'd have to be doing it outside though. 
Nah, I could go to the lounge, man, if you don't mind background <laughs> noise. Yeah, I go to the lounge. We could do a real big, have some bourbon and uh, smoke a, a good uh, Liga number nine. That sounds good. Beautiful, man. Where do you live? I'm no. right outside of Philly, man. Okay. Yeah, so we're pretty close, actually. Yeah, not too far apart. So, Douglas, I want to take a moment to thank you so much for joining me here on Cigars and Crypto. And uh, I look forward to having you back again. Thank you, man. Greatly appreciate it.